This is the Dan Grosser Show on 98.7 ESPN. Hour number three. Rapid moving, fast moving, Saturday morning extravaganza. Dan Grosser Show, 800-919-3776 is your telephone number. 60 more minutes and we turn things over to Anita on this Saturday. By the way, programming reminder. Uh, you got me all week, as a matter of fact, in the morning with uh, our pal, Mr. DiPietro. So Dave is off for the week, so I'm going to sit in with Rick all hey week. Hey, guys, don't forget about me. Maybe, yeah. We'll see how I feel once Friday is through, but, you know, we'll, we'll have some fun over the next few days there. So uh, bright and early, the alarm is going to be set as soon as I'm done with this show. Maybe I'll get to sleep as soon as the show is over so I can be <laughs> fresh and ready to go. Monday at 6 a.m. So looking forward to that and hanging out with the boys here. So uh, that's where you will catch me after today, at the very least, uh, for the coming days. 800-919-3776 is our telephone number. A lot of things we've hit on today, of course. A lot of Knicks at the beginning of the show. The heroic performance last night by Jalen Brunson putting the team on his back. They go into Cleveland and get themselves a huge victory over the Cavaliers and put themselves on the precipice of clinching a playoff spot. That could happen tonight if Miami loses to Kyrie Irving and the Dallas Mavericks. <laughs> but hopefully either way, Knicks will have this thing wrapped up by tomorrow. They could beat Washington and get this thing all sewn up and then focus on the postseason, and then focus on getting Julius Randle healthy. You know, by the way, not for nothing, could, is, do we know – Guys, can you check and see if Steve Cohen is a Knicks fan by any chance? Steve Cohen, the Mets owner. Because remember, as soon as Edwin Diaz suffered that injury during the WBC, like Steve Cohen, out of the goodness of his own heart and his own pocket, went out there and he hired like a personal chef, a, uh, a, a personal trainer, a therapist, all, all the things that he had to do, like to be on Edwin Diaz's call 24 hours a day, like at his house to accelerate the rehab process. I hope that the Knicks are doing the same thing with Julius Randle over the next two weeks to get him back onto the court and as healthy as possible for the start of the playoffs because I don't think they're winning around without Julius Randle. That is something that they need if they are going to be successful. So did the basketball, talked a lot about the pitch clock as well in the first couple of hours of the show is a new way of life for all of us as baseball fans. You blink, you missed your team's game. Yankees got another home game this afternoon, weather permitting against the Giants. Looks like they should be able to get it in because looks like the rain is stopping now. It's still dreary out, but they said the skies are going to brighten this afternoon. So there might be a window to play this game, and then it's going to rain again tonight. But they don't want to play a doubleheader tomorrow. And you know you're not going to want to make up that game again with San Francisco because they don't come back. you got a team on the opposite coast. They're going to do everything they can to get this game in here today. So we shall see. Let's get to the phones, by the way. Uh, let us start it off here with Eddie in Brooklyn, next up on 98.7 ESPN. Eddie, how are you? Hey, Dan, how you doing? Hey, Rick, how you doing, Joe? I ain't forget about you, Rick. What's up? Well, but, um, I don't know who Rick is, but that's a question. Okay. I want to ask you, um, last night I was watching, I was watching the women's college basketball game. Yeah. It was like I was watching like a 30 for 30 um, documentary, and that was a great game. But um, my thing about the pitch count, I think it's good because now you know how the batters, they got to get out of the batting box, play with the uniform, call their house, and all this crazy stuff that they be doing. Right. Now they don't, have, they don't have the luxury of doing that no more. And then as a pitcher, once you dial in, you don't, you don't want to be waiting for no batter keep playing around and, you know, you got to wait and wait. So I think it's going gonna, it's gonna to really, like, speed up the game. 
and may God be more focused on like what's what's coming at them next like that. Um that's what I think about that. You know one more thing I want to ask you? Yeah. You know for all these rules they're making in baseball, all these changes, how guys going to get like how pitchers going to get like into the Hall of Fame cuz you need to win 300 games to trying to get at least in the Hall of Fame. I'm, I I don't know how Cy Young won 500 games. That I still want to know how did he do that? What was the rules back then? But a lot of guys are not going to be getting the Hall of Fame now. No, I mean, Eddie, they're going to look, they're still going to, they're not going to shut the doors to the Hall of Fame. And thanks for the phone call. Uh, it's just that you're not going to have guys with as many wins as far as pitchers are concerned that there used to be. There's never going to be another 300 game winner in our lifetimes. There's not going to be because it, it, it's going to be impossible. Remember, back in the day, you know, when guys won 300 games and whatnot, first of all, you didn't have five-man rotations. There was only, you know, four-man rotations. Um, guys went out there and pitched deeper into games. So, essentially, the game was in their hands. They didn't turn it over to the bullpen and have somebody, you know, blow a save or like you have now. You know, it was, it was sink or swim by yourself. You know, and in the I mean, you can't go back to the Cy Young days. That was like a different world, basically, when it came to baseball. Guys were pitching a hell of a lot more frequently. You didn't have as much turnover on the roster as you have now. Not even close. But guys will get in the Hall of Fame. You just won't have 300 wins. You know, it's kind of like a new barometer. But, you know, it's still good. Guys, can you do me a favor, too, what Eddie was talking about? If we could find out who this Rick character is, I, I you know, I, I'd like to know. Maybe I'm do- maybe I'm supposed I've been sitting here for two hours. Maybe I'm supposed to be doing a show with a guy named Rick. I got no idea. Beautiful you know, bananas, I- plug and play bananas. If I knew, I would have brought him into the conversation at least once over the previous two hours. Yeah, so well, not smart. It's the yeah, dumbest I feel bad on my it. part. You know, I don't want to like shun somebody when I don't have to. Hector's in and real quick about the pitch clock before I get to the to the next call. Another thing about the pitch clock. Max Scherzer, I remember at the beginning or thereabouts early on in spring training. Max Scherzer was actually in favor of it because he was saying now with the pitch clock, it feels like you as the pitcher is the person that's in control of the at bat. Like you're the one that's in charge because in the past with the hitter stepping out of the batter's box, doing all the things that Eddie was alluding to, right? I mean, like fixing his batting gloves, fixing his helmet, fixing his elbow guard, all these other things. It seemed like the hitter was the one dictating the tempo of the at-bat and the pace and all those things. Max Scherzer says, no, with the pitch clock, I as the pitcher am now in charge. And you respect that. But then after that game on Thursday, I don't know if you caught Scherzer postgame talking to the media in the clubhouse. He said he hates it. He hates it. Here's here here was Max Scherzer after the game. This was two days ago on Thursday. I love the pace. I don't like the clock. I'll, I'll double down on that. You know, I think the umpire should have discretion to turn the clock off. So I'll turn this over to Tony. We had this conversation the other day. Do you think? Twice. Do you think Pete? You know, should in that situation, should that should we start doing ball strike in that situation? I'll go off the record with you. No, you're, no, go on the record. <laughs> Let's see. I mean, like you got to be able to defend this. I guess you can't. Okay. And look, say what you want. Max Scherzer's weight carries a little bit more because the fact the guy's going to the Hall of Fame. The guy's got three Cy Young Awards. You know, he knows what he's talking about. Not that any pitcher whatsoever shouldn't also be able to chime in. I mean, because everybody's doing this for a living. But, I mean, this guy's, you know, been doing it for a long time, been doing it at a high level. So if he speaks up and he says something along those lines, you know, it carries a little bit more weight, as it should. As it should. Hector is in Queens. He's up next here on 98.7 ESPN. Hector, good morning. How are you? Hey, Dan. How you doing, man? 
Hector, I'm outstanding. What's going on with you? How's things? Yeah, so what is this? What is this? ESPN Miami? Like, what are we doing here? Why what is that? Is given, given all this love to Miami, they've never won anything. I mean, I guess you're right about the guard play, but, I mean, UConn has been trouncing teams. They're the clear favorite, and you're, you guys are trying to, like, like dilute what UConn has done throughout the well, tournament well, Hector, as well. I'm not like, I just don't understand H- it. Hector, first of all, first, that was, look, Chris said he thought Miami was going to win. He's entitled to his opinion. It's America. It's a free of country. You pick of whoever you want. <laughs> I, I, okay, let, let the yeah. record show. Yeah. I actually had okay. UConn in the final four on my original bracket. That was the only team I had right in the final four, but I thought this UConn team yeah. was going to make a good run. And if you're asking me, I think UConn's going to be the team cutting down the nets on Monday night. All right. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. I appreciate and, that. And, then, and you know what? Look, <laughs> Hector, think about this. Here's what we have to get into. All right. And, Hector, I thank you for the phone call. Good luck to the Huskies. Here, here, here's the next question with, with UConn. Do you realize if they win this thing, that'll be their fifth national championship since 1999? Fifth. Which is two more, by the way, than any other program in America during that stretch. Not one more, two more. Duke has three, Carolina has three during that stretch. So then the question that we have to ask ourselves about UConn, like when we sit there and talk about blue blood programs in college basketball, it's the Dukes, it's the Carolinas, it's the Kentuckys, it's the... I know they haven't won it in a while, but I'm still a big believer in nostalgia. And I know that the, you know, the conference has fallen on hard times and they're moving out of the conference soon. But I still value the four letters of UCLA, right? And because of what John Wooden, you know, was able to accomplish all those decades ago and for all the winning that they've done. Like, so to me, college basketball, UCLA, like that's still something that's really meaningful, even though they haven't won it in forever. But UConn, why not UConn, right? I mean, if the trophy and the hardware is what you're basing this conversation on, I mean, five championships in the last 25 years, that's pretty damn special. And I know what Jim Calhoun built there was, you know, second to none and turning that program, which was essentially nothing, into a a basketball power. And, of course, you know, Gino, what he's done on the women's side, of course, is also in, in its own right spectacular. But if they win this thing, it's five championships, but it's with three different coaches, too. Let's not forget, Kevin Ollie won himself a national championship. And now you're going to have Dan Hurley as somebody who won a championship. So if it's not just one head coach that the baton has been passed from guy to guy to guy and they're still winning and they're still getting to the highest point in the sport, then why shouldn't they be considered a major, major program in the same vein like some of those established ones like Duke and Carolina and so on and so forth. You know, but breaking down the path of UConn and Miami up until this point, like I, I, I still look, look, UConn's been dominant, but if you're asking me like the teams that they've had to go through up until this point, I, I just think Miami's path has been more impressive. Now that means absolutely nothing once they step out on the court tonight. It means nothing. It's not going to impact the outcome of the game. I'm just saying. The four stops up until this point, I just think Miami's was a little bit more impressive. That's all. I hope Jordan Hawkins is doing okay, too, because Jordan Hawkins missed practice yesterday with an illness. 
and they hope that he's going to be okay to play tonight. But if he's anything less than 100%, I mean, that's going to make UConn just a little bit less whole. And so you see how he fares. But, no, I think UConn wins the game tonight. I appreciate FAU and San Diego State and what they've done in getting to this point for the first time in the history of those programs. But, yes, I am under the belief that the second game tonight, the main event, Miami-UConn, that is essentially your de facto national championship game. Whoever wins that game tonight will be the team that cuts down the nets on Monday. Can Miami win it? Absolutely. But I think UConn will. And that first game tonight, I shoot, I, I've gone back and forth with this thing all week long. I really and truly have. Um, FAU isn't a slouch anymore. I don't even think you could call FAU like a Cinderella. Okay, they've won 30. You, you win 35 games. That's not a fluke. I know it's in Conference USA, but they're winning close games. You know, they're coming from behind to beat the so-called establishment in this tournament and all these games. That's not fluky. I think San Diego State will find a way to eke one out tonight, though. So I think you'll get San Diego State, UConn. Bring your football helmets, bring your boxing gloves on Monday night for what should be a bruiser of a national championship game. 800-919-3776, that is the telephone number. We come back. We'll take some more phone calls. The latest on flex scheduling in the NFL. And one of our local owners here in New York, I thought had some interesting things to say, and you know what? I agree wholeheartedly with what he had to say on the matter. Dan Gross' show, we're rolling to the top right here on 98.7 ESPN. Hey, Dan, how you doing? Hey, Rick, how you doing, Joe? I ain't forget about you, Rick. What's up? Well, but, um, I don't know who Rick is, but that's okay. This is the Dan Grasso Show on 98.7 ESPN. Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac, weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good! The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. So earlier this week out in Arizona, they had the NFL owners meetings. Um, no, a trade was not consummated between the Jets and the Packers yet. But it will. Trust me. Trust me. Trust me. Like people keep asking me. People like, what's going on? Like, why, why isn't there? Like, Relax. You know, it will happen. Trust me. Aaron Rodgers is going to be a Jet. Trust me. You know, there's no rush. There ain't a game for another five months. You know, there's no practice for quite some time. All it the will answers get are done. right inside me. Exactly. You know, draft is coming up in a few weeks. You know, let the Packers' palms sweat a little bit. Don't you think they want those picks for the upcoming draft to help their new quarterback to make him as successful as possible? It will get done. Anyway, 
one of the other things that was this, you know, they it's it's a nice kind of meet and greet thing. They sit there and they take their picture, all the coaches, all the GMs, like one big group Sears family photo type thing, which is nice. But they also talk about potential rule changes for the upcoming season. You know, how to make the game better, how to make the game different, how could we change the complexion of the game, and it, look, it's exactly. So, one of the things that was discussed, and I think we, I don't remember if we made mention of it all last week on the show when this was kind of rumored. They took a vote as to possibly implementing flex scheduling for Thursday night football. Now, I understand more football's always a good thing. It's never a bad thing. I get it. But there are some days and there are some weeks where Thursday night football comes and goes, and you look at it, and I, I, I just kind of think to myself, like, yeah, I, sometimes it's a little overkill, right? Because there is still something special, because maybe this is the way that I grew up with football, like when there wasn't Thursday night games always. It was you look forward to Sunday at 1 o'clock. Like, that was special. You get to Sunday, you got games all day long. You know, you throw in the Sunday night game, and then, you know, back then, the Monday night game was the special game. That was the marquee game. And then you got, you know, you went to school the next day, and you knew you always had a great football game at night. So now it's, I mean, pretty soon there's going to be football seven days a week at this rate. I mean, it's ridiculous. But Thursday night football, and maybe this is on the back of, you know, Al Michaels last year complaining late in the season about the crappy games that they got and, you know, why he had to sit through so many meaningless games late in the season and, you know, they should have a little bit more of a marquee package. Of course, look, any guy who has to watch a game, sit through a game, broadcast a game, you wanted something that actually means something and people are going to tune in and actually have some value to it. So Powers of P with the NFL, they sat there and talked about the prospect of, Maybe having flex scheduling on Thursday. Now, we have flex scheduling on Sundays. We've got pretty soon now, I think this year is when flex scheduling is going to even start on Monday Night Football, if I'm not mistaken, or, or that was part of the TV deal. So that's going to be happening. So now you might as well throw it on Thursday, right, the NFL feels. And, and I disagree wholeheartedly because how is that fair to your fan base, number one? Number two... All along with football, it seems like every now, – now maybe this has kind of petered out a little bit. But once upon a time, remember we lived in this world, the concussion world with the NFL. Remember that? That was like really big about 10 years ago where like every single decision that was made regarding professional football, it was made pertaining to player safety. And that was the only thing that mattered. Like that took precedent over everything else. Player safety, you got to keep the players safe. New rules, you can't hit here, you can't tackle here, you lower your head, it's a flag. you got to keep these guys upright. Changing the kickoff rules, and you can't do the wedge anymore because it's not safe for the game, and blah, blah, blah. You know, you sneeze on a player, it's 15 yards to keep the quarterback safe, God forbid. So you might want, like, the good matchups on Thursday night and whenever you have flex scheduling, but in regards to Thursday in particular, what does that do to promote player safety? Because I don't know about you, but every player that I've talked to, they hate playing Thursday night because their bodies aren't ready yet. Most of them aren't even getting over playing the previous Sunday until about by the time maybe Wednesday, Thursday rolls around of the following week. So now you're going to tell them, forget about recovering, forget about getting your body right, now we want you to go out there and lay it all on the line and play a full game again. 
And in the past, at least, they restricted teams to only having to play one game on Thursday. Like, that was it. Okay, we're doing it. We know that it's a money grab, so we're just going to restrict it to one per team. So it's not overkill. Now, with this thing that they took a vote on this week, they possibly are going to raise the limit now to two games. That a team is going to have to go out there on a short week, short rest, bodies not healed, not recovered, and go out there and play again. And remember, when it comes to Thursday night games, there's an advantage to playing them earlier in the season. Because the earlier in the season you play, your body still feels a little bit better than it would, let's say. In, like, remember the Jets had the Thursday night game this year? It was the week of Christmas against Jacksonville, even though the game itself was a, was a disaster. But that was like week 16, week 15, whatever the hell it was. So many guys that I talked to, they felt like death going into that game. You know, the last thing you want after four months, five months of just going out there and, and putting your body on the line from training camp to late December, and then you go out there on a short week and have to play a meaningful football game like that, you're not going to be at your best. So how does that promote player safety? And thankfully, thankfully, I wasn't the only one that feels this way, and you might as well at 800-919-3776, okay, because for now, they at least tabled the discussion to where they didn't take a vote. It's going to be re, um, they're going to review it again at the next meetings in May, which unfortunately it still might happen, but it didn't happen initially. And one guy who's got a pretty big voice at the table is, of course, the Giants owner, John Mara. These were his thoughts on the Thursday night flex schedule. Our season ticket holders to people who fill our stadiums every week. Um, People have gotten used to going from Sunday afternoon to Sunday night. That doesn't mean that they like it. This year, um, we can be flexed to Monday night, which I think is really inconsiderate to our ticket holders. But to flex a game back to Thursday night, to me, is just uh, abusive. And I am adamantly opposed to it. Um, I think it, it didn't get, unfortunately, didn't get enough votes uh, today, but he'll probably be revisited in. All right, so he makes a good point. Let's say you're a Jet fan, you're a Giant fan. And forget about trying to make arrangements of going to a game here at MetLife Stadium. But what happens if you wanted to plan a trip to go see them on the road? All right, the Giants playing, I don't know, Dallas. And let's just say Giants-Dallas, when the schedule comes out in May, it's scheduled for a Sunday um, whatever day, of the, you know, whatever week it is of the season. But it's a Sunday game. And so you call up, you get your tickets, you book your hotel, you take off from work, you do whatever you have to do to make sure that you can travel and to attend this, you know, you buy your airfare, your plane tickets, and you make sure you get into town for that Sunday. You know, maybe you fly in Saturday, spend the night, enjoy Dallas, and then you go to the game on Sunday. And then what happens a week or 10 days before the game and, and your trip are supposed to you're embark on, and all of a sudden the NFL changes the game to a Thursday night. But wait a sec. Your trip is booked for Saturday. Your hotel is booked for Saturday. You can't get off from work, perhaps, to get there for Wednesday or Thursday. The hotel that you're staying at, maybe they don't have any room at the inn for Wednesday or Thursday. And how you have to rearrange your life. So aren't they taking the fans into this at all? Or are they just worrying about, like, what's going to bring them the most money? What's going to bring them the most eyeballs? And, again, we know that they're not looking at player safety.
They're not. They can say that they are, but they're not. Proof is in the pudding. You know, the fans get inconvenienced enough now with all these different game times and the schedule changing. I mean, once upon a time, if you were a ticket holder, schedule came out in the spring. They printed out the tickets. Once you got the actual ticket in your hand, it had the game time and it was set in stone. You knew when you were going, what time you were going, and that's it. Now everything changes at the drop of a hat. Right? And they just keep expecting the fans to keep showing up, showing up, showing up, but... They're not doing them a service, I can promise you that. Sometimes being a fan and supporting your teams and these sports and these leagues in particular, it's hard as hell on you. You know, and they keep asking for a lot. They keep asking more from you than you're probably getting in return from these leagues and in return these teams that you support with your hard-earned money and your time. It's really no different than what we discussed earlier with the pitch clock stuff and the shorter experience and the shorter, the shorter amount of time you're going to be spending now at the ballparks. 800-919-3776. That is the telephone number. We'll get some calls in, plus a change to the NBA season for next year. Dan Grasso Show till the top of the hour here on 98.7 ESPN. This is the Dan Grasso Show on 98.7 ESPN. <laughs> We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. 10 seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships, your skills, your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? (laughs) Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, shopify.com slash network. On this Saturday, take it until the top, then Anita's going to come by at noon. She'll go till 3. Then Gordon, who's live from Mohegan Sun. So if you're in the area, if you're at Mohegan Sun, say hi to Gordon. He doesn't bite, and he's going to take you right up until Islanders Lightning Hockey at 6.30 this evening. And as I said earlier, I'll be with Mr. Rick DiPietro all week long on DNR, so we look forward to that. See my buddies Ray and RJ, wake it up nice and early. So uh, Monday through Friday, looking forward to that. Now, the NBA and the Players Association, before we get to the calls, they hammered out a new collective bargaining agreement. I know that that was probably keeping some of you up late at night, but it has happened. Among some of the attractions, if you want to call it that. And I'm just going over this now, as a matter of fact. So load management is a big thing, big talking point in the NBA, of course. Here's the NBA's solution to solve the load management problem. Get this. In an attempt to curb load management and lost games among star players, NBA tying eligibility for postseason awards, such as all NBA teams and MVP, to a mandatory 65 games played. 65-game minimum does come with some conditions. 
do you really think that that's going to change things? Like, I mean, everybody wants to say, like, what would be nice? Sure, I'd like, like, if you went up to somebody, you know, you want to win the MVP show? Oh, it'd be great. Sure, I'd love to. But it doesn't mean, like, deep down they really think they will, you know? To the point where they're still getting their millions and gazillions of dollars regardless, whether they play or they don't. And how many of them deep down really think that they have a shot to win some of these awards? And if they're going to prioritize their rest and if they're going to prioritize staying healthy enough to continue with their earning potential for however many years, these guys would rather probably sacrifice games now to be able to keep themselves healthier down the road to where they can get another blockbuster contract or two more blockbuster contracts for the rest of their NBA career. So this is kind of silly to me. It's like the intentions are good, but I really don't think it's going to move the needle in any way in terms of solving the problem. It's a, it, it's a cultural problem right now in the NBA. When I say the or, or generational probably is the better word. You know, guys coming into the NBA now, these players, like this is all they know is load management. That's all they know. And that's why I kind of snicker at all of these comparisons. And when we get into these legacy conversations about, you know, guys that play now and comparing them to players in the past and where they should rank among the great. Any guy who plays now, I'm sorry, you lose points in my book because of you playing during the load management era. You, like guys in the past didn't take nights off just because, oh, it's the, it's, it's the tail end of a back to back. Oh, we're playing three games in four nights. Oh, I can't play. Stop. If you think you're great, you think you're the best thing since sliced bread, well, you know what? Go out there and prove it. Go play. Because guys in the past didn't practice load management. And I'm not talking about guys that played in the 1940s. You know, this stuff wasn't even happening in the early 2000s. All right, that's number one. Number two, and this is one, you know, more power to anybody if they could get in on this. To me, it does absolutely nothing. There's going to be an in-season tournament perhaps as soon as next season in the NBA. In addition to the, like the regular season, an in-season tournament, the event is going to include pool play games <gasps> that are going to be baked into the regular season schedule. It's going to start in November. Eight teams are going to advance to a single elimination tournament in December. Don't ask me how the hell this is going to work. The final four are going to be held at a neutral site with Las Vegas prominent in the discussion. Each in-season tournament game is going to count towards regular season standings. The two finalists would ultimately play 83 regular season games. Winning players and coaches will earn additional prize money. All right. Aside from the money, What's in it for any of these teams or players with this stupid in-game or in-season tournament? Somebody want to explain that to me? Like, what, what's the incentive? I mean, at the end of the day, are you trying to win an NBA championship? Are you trying to make the playoffs? Or are you trying to do well in this silly in-season tournament? Like, why can't you just play regular season games? Because if the, at the end of the day, if they're still going to count as one regular season game, how is that going to fix load management, for example? What, because you're paying them an extra few bucks for winning some silly tournament? $500,000 to each player for the, like, I, I, for the life of me, I just don't understand this. And I'm not going to sit there and snicker at $500,000 either because five hundred grand is still a decent chunk of change whether you're a, a multimillionaire or not. You know, it's five hundred grand. 
But if you're a fan of whatever team, like, is this something that is, it's like, is this any more of a reason to watch a regular season game than you would, let's say, in November? Like, is that appointment television in November when you've got the NFL season coming down the home stretch? If you're a college football fan, this is, you know, when the end of the regular season in college football, you got, if you're a hockey fan, the NHL starting, all these other things that you have going on, like, it's still the first month or the second month of the NBA regular season. Are you going to be geeked up to watch these play-in tournament games? And whatever team, let's say, like wins this or gets to the final or makes, like they said, the final four, are they going to hang a banner in the arena? Like if the Charlotte Hornets make the final four of the NBA play-in season tournament, are the Charlotte Hornets going to hang a banner, play-in season tournament, final four? God forbid if it's one of our teams here in, in this area. Nick's going to hang a banner, play-in tournament runner-up, play-in tournament finalist. They're losing me, man. The, the, the NBA, some of this stuff, they're, they're just, um, that's it. Brian's in Oceanside. He's up next here on 98.7 ESPN. Brian, how are you? Good afternoon. How you doing? What's up, Brian? Uh, I just wanted to talk about this, this flex schedule thing. Yeah. Did they just forget that we're, we're not superhumans like they are with their private jets and everything. So say you have a kid, right, and you have a, you take them to one game a year, and it's on a Sunday, and they switch to a Thursday night. They expect to get, get the kid out of school early, have him get home late. It's hard enough getting to the Meadowlands, taking an extra day off for work. Like, why are they forgetting us? Why are they forgetting to think that the vast majority of these people can't do what they can do? So why are they forgetting us like this? Here's the problem with it. Brian, here, and look, I agree with you. You're preaching to the choir. Thanks for the phone call. Here's the thing that I don't understand because this is the Thursday night package. And remember, this is Jeff Bezos and this is Amazon. Amazon does not deserve the same preferential treatment, i.e. flex scheduling, that let's say NBC does with the Sunday night football or even ESPN does with Monday night football. They don't. The eyeballs that are on those respective networks for those games mean more to them then let's say whatever this does for Amazon Prime Video. Amazon's big revenue generator and moneymaker is not the NFL on a Thursday night. I think we all know that. Because if it was, how the hell would Amazon even have the money to be able to get the NFL package? Amazon's big moneymaker is called <laughs> Monday through Sunday, 365 days a year. Every two seconds of the day when you're on your computer and you hit click, click, click. That's their big generator. Like, I, 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 I don't know why we're bending over backwards for Amazon. And the Thursday night ratings aren't on par with what you get on Sunday night and Monday night. And certainly not on Sunday afternoon. Wasn't this like a big point of contention all season? Like, what are the numbers for Thursday Night Football? Thursday Night Football streaming with the Amazon this past year, the numbers were not as high as what we used to have on Thursday when it was on conventional TV. Eight hundred nine one nine three seven seven six. We'll look ahead to the rest of Saturday and close it out with you on the phones. Dan Grasso with you here on 98.7 ESPN. This is the Dan Grasso Show on 98.7 ESPN. <laughs> This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. 
Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. All right, so here's what you got for the rest of the day. You've got, among other things, a couple of baseball games, of course, both of them starting right around 4 o'clock. you got the Yankees and the Giants at the stadium, Clark Schmidt against Alex Cobb. Um... Esteban Florio, by the way, sent back down to the minor leagues. Colton Brewer, the pitcher that they just acquired the other day, he's been activated. And he's got options. Um, Plus, like I said, I think you got a shot at getting this game in today. I think you got a shot. There's going to be a window. They could sneak this one in. But bring the umbrella just in case. Uh, Some raindrops do find their way over to the Bronx. Mets are in Miami. You got Tyler McGill against Edward Cabrera. Even though the local basketball teams are off tonight, there is still an important game. If you're a Knicks fan, that would be Dallas-Miami. Remember, if Dallas wins, Knicks clinch that playoff spot. They will be free of the play-in tournament. Of course, you got your two final four games. First one just after 6 o'clock, FAU and San Diego State. Miami against UConn will then follow. Then two of the hockey teams tonight. You got Islanders, Tampa Bay. Coverage begins at 6.30 right here on 98.7 ESPN. Lou Lamorello said a little while ago that Matt Barzell is going to begin skating either today or tomorrow. That's good news. Uh, Islanders need to get him back, of course, preferably uh, in time for the postseason. Devils are in Chicago to take on the Blackhawks. And the way things are tightening up right there in the Metropolitan Division, I mean, you watched that game the other night out in Newark between the Devils and the Rangers. Yeah, it would be great to see those teams lock horns for seven games. But, hey, Devils win tonight. Carolina loses tonight. Devils are in first place. And then all of a sudden the Rangers are staring at Carolina. Selfishly, I'd love to see the Devils win the division because that would at least ensure the possibility of the Devils or Rangers and Rangers maybe even both making it out of the first round alive. I mean, if they play each other, that means one of them is going to have to lose, of course. So just to keep the local flair going as long as possible here in the Stanley Cup playoffs, I think certainly is what we would all kind of bargain for here a bit. Dave is in Queens. He is up next here on 98.7 ESPN. David, how are you? Thanks, Dan. Great. couple things real quick. Cobb and Schmidt, two baseball names there, huh, pitching today. <laughs> two Hall of Fame names, right? There you go. Those two, these two won't make it, though. But, I um, don't think so. No, I don't think so, right? Okay, imagine on a getaway day how quick the game's going to go nowadays. Like, I mean – like it's going to be what, we're going to have an hour and 45 minute getaway day this year you know what i mean i didn't you know what but, um, dave i didn't even yeah. think about that that's a great point yeah like a wednesday afternoon like 12:10 first pitch getaway day you're right. flying out to the west coast yeah mm-hmm. probably you might be looking at like a buck 40 or something yeah <laughs> oh my god unbelievable well all right so and great banner with chris again good banner you two have excellent um okay so my point is this this has been my routine about 20 years now. I always bought the post, but I buy the posts and I don't read them every day. I wait till the weekend and I catch up on my New York Post. Mm-hmm. You know, I buy the the real paper. And I did that this Dave, week. I don't want to break, Dave, over. I don't want to break the news to you, but if you save the newspapers yeah. till the weekend, it's old news. Yeah. That that's true. That is true. And it, and that's and, but I hope I'm not breaking any old news here because I learned some <laughs> things here. I listen to my radio all week and I learn things and I look, I read my paper on the weekends and I read I read things about sports mostly in the paper. And there were some great articles in the Post this week by Greg Joyce and mm-hmm. Ian O'Connor, of course. But Greg Joyce gave some great Volpe articles and I, I tell everybody out there to go online if they have to and read these Greg Joyce articles. It, it just it showed how real quick. 
how we got him in 30, and he probably would have been a top 15 pick, but the world thought he was going to Vandy. Even the Yankees thought he was going to Vandy. And the Yankees took him out to dinner, and by uh, Guy Hendry, he took the Yankee on the Yankees' expense account, of course. He took him out to dinner and his family, and he realized we can get this guy if he's there at 30, and he scared a lot of teams off, and the Yankees got Volpe. I want to commend the Yankees for their scouting because there was another great article Joyce wrote about how we scouted him, and they were beeping each other on all the fields, all the Yankee scouts, and he was very on our radar more than any other team. He's with us, and I want to commend the Yankees and Cashman and Oppenheimer and even Boone. And, and for giving us this gift because it's enthused us, it's enthused me. I feel young again, and I love it, okay? And I it's, want to thank Dave, them. I want people it, it, to read the is, articles. I think, Dave, I thank you for the phone call, and I think you used the operative word. It is a gift. We, we all should be blessed that we are all living in the same time as Anthony Volpe. I mean, I don't want to rain on anybody's parade, but, guys, I'm, just, I'm letting it be known now. We're only two days into the season. I, if, if this is going to be the story for the next six months, I can't take this. I'm going to lose my collective you-know-what about Volpe. I mean, he's not the second coming of Christ. Let's relax. He's not the second coming of Derek Jeter. He's a nice little player. Let him have his own career. Let's see what he does. He's played one friggin' game. One game. Relax. Let, let, let's pump the brakes a little bit. You know, it's not like they got even another Aaron Judge, for crying out loud. Let, let, let's let the guy... Take his lumps as a rookie. Go through the process of learning what it's meant to be an MLB player every single day. There's going to be some rough patches, but let's, I mean, calm down. My goodness. Oh. Actually, you know what? They already said, you know, the, the Yankees just tweeted this out, by the way. Breaking news, they said, in, in if there is a rain delay, Anthony Volpe is actually going to emerge from the dugout steps and walk on water for all the fans. Because of all the hype. He will actually walk on water today. <laughs> on that note. All right, we got to say goodbye. We're out of time. Our time is up. Thanks to Chris Patola. Thanks to Joe Leo. Thanks to Harvey Cruz. Thanks to everybody that was a part of this program. Remember, I'll see you bright and early Monday morning with Rick. Anita's next. Dan Gross is saying enjoy your weekend right here on 9870 ESPN.